You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. Your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LLB. Locked On Browns brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network. Your host, Jeff Lloyd, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd show itself at Lockdown Browns. It is a not so happy non-victory Monday edition of Lockdown Browns as the Browns who held the lead for most of the game fall a little bit short in their return to Kansas City. Sports Illustrated's key, uh, Pete Smith along for the ride as we'll break it all down. Uh, tough one here and we'll certainly get into that. Today's episode is brought to you by the Lockdown NFL Sunday. Looking for a Sunday pregame show that talks about every game and every team in depth. Well, the Lockdown NFL pregame show Sunday airs lies. Just football every Sunday morning with hosts Cody Rourke and Ross Jackson. So make sure you're following and subscribed at Lockdown Live on Twitter, Facebook, and, of course, Odyssey and Twitch and YouTube. And do not forget to turn on notifications to be notified when the show begins Sunday mornings at 11 Eastern. Pete, this one, it's a difficult pill to swallow because offensively, everything probably for the first 40 minutes or so looked to go pretty smoothly. And I guess we'll stick on the offensive side of the ball here. Uh, to begin with, and then you know, we'll get to the defense a little bit, just some general thoughts. Um, but sticking to it offensively, um, Coach Stefanski's thought process, the scheme, the calling, the going, going forward on fourth down, the uh, on the extra point where now it was at the one, going forward in that scenario, you see everything from this coaching staff, this team that understands just, you know, to take advantage of things, the intelligence of being given opportunities. Um, it was a great, great start. It was a great, great first 40 to 45 minutes. Um, but what separates the good from the great is being able to play it for 60. Well, I mean, it comes down to turnovers. I mean, the Browns gave away the ball uh, three times. And that was the difference in the game. The the Chiefs scored twice uh, off the, uh, the the first two turnovers, and then the last one they could kneel it out. So every single one of those proved critical in the game. Uh, the Chiefs were able to, you know, when they when they gave away the ball, it was punting. Um, the Browns gave away the ball in their own fifteen because the punter dropped a snap right in the hands and then made a bad situation worse. Uh, kick it, so, try to get attacked, do something, at least try to kick it. Yeah, so, I mean, it's just it hit literally 16 yards. You're not going to get 16 yards, at least literally bounced off of his hands, and then he picked it up. And I thought maybe he was going to try to run around and kick, uh, but he didn't, he just kept running. So, jogging, I, I, I know a lot of people like. 
uh, Jimmy Gillen because he does a lot of media stuff. He's always very accessible, but he's never been that good. It, it, like he was his best year was his rookie year. He was bad last year. He's got a big uh, leg. He's got a big leg. But as far as the overall playing of the position, eh, eh, eh. I, so, so I just wouldn't be surprised if, you know, the Browns decide that they're done uh, and move on and bring in somebody else. Now, maybe they don't, but it just keeps happening. Every year there's a, a just a catastrophic Jamie Gillen play that either completely changes a game or loses a game. Um, so that's a big one. I, look, Juan Thornhill put his helmet right on the football with Nick Chubb. It came out, and then Baker Mayfield was trying to throw the ball out of bounds and got hit, and it fell short, uh, and uh, they, they intercepted it. And that's, you know – that, that, that's what it comes down to. You, you turn the ball over and you lose the game on, you, you know, you, you give a decisive dis- advantage to the other team on special teams. It almost didn't matter what else you did, you know, the offense, however efficient it was uh, and downright great at times, particularly in the first half, but plenty of great stuff in the second half as well. Um, it didn't matter. The, the chiefs were able to avoid those mistakes. They did what they do. And that was enough to win the game. Now, just some highlights here on offense and some things, you know, look, Nick Chubb doing what Nick Chubb does, Kareem Hunt doing what uh, Kareem Hunt does, establishing Austin Hooper early. And it was funny because we never really saw Austin Hooper again. Pete, your guy, David Njoku, and just smooth, clear, concise. My guy, Anthony Schwartz. And I'll be honest, I mean, if Odell addressed today, it wouldn't have stunned me if Anthony Schwartz did not dress. Um, but this is one of the things that I loved about him, coveted it about him being a part of this Browns offense was, is, you know, and we always talk about this is what separates you from the herd, what separates you from the pack, the pack. Anthony Schwartz, it's a calling card. He's just freakishly fast. And the Browns, and it's not that Odell isn't fast. He's not freakishly fast. Donovan Peoples-Jones, and it was weird for the, uh, you know, the projection that he was on over the summer to really essentially be a guy who was just out there today. But if we had said a week ago, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, the Browns' biggest threat on wide receiver in week one against the Kansas City Chiefs was going to be Anthony Schwartz, everybody would have thought we were freaking nuts. But it's the way it played out today. Well, I mean – if I if if I didn't know that if I knew Beckham was going to be out, I still wouldn't have picked Schwartz. But I don't know who I would have picked. Maybe Rashard Higgins. Um, but nobody else did much. Uh, you know, Jarvis Landry had a couple nice catches, but most of his yardage came on that uh, that end of the half. You know, <laughs> hitch. It was, a cool play. it was a really really fun play, and it was a cool concept behind it, but. I mean that was 32 of his 71 receiving yards. I mean, yeah, I mean it's it's whatever. I mean they they didn't have a guy like Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey on the other side. I mean Najoku is as close to you know they both had, both Najoku and Kelsey had the same number of yards, and Tyreek Hill unfortunately had you know 197, um, and the highest receiver had 71, and then 69. So I mean he had more receiving yardage than the first several uh receivers on the browns did uh but, you know i 
I'm confused on what happened with Austin Hooper. He went from three catches on the first drive to never again. Um, I, I, I continue to want to see Kareem Hunt utilized as a space player and not getting it. Um, the screen on the last drive was great. Uh, that, you know, he, he, what he does is very useful. I mean, he had, uh, nine touches for 61 yards, which is, you know, a pretty good clip. Nick Chubb is, you know, his usual self. Um, I, it, so not having Odell Beckham as creative and innovative as the bronze were, it still felt like there was something missing there because there was, which is Odell Beckham. So, I mean, that's, that's a big part of it. I mean, Donovan Peoples Jones for all the attention he's gotten and I think deserved, he was targeted once one catch for four yards. So this is going to be an evolving process. The Browns offense certainly doesn't look bad by any stretch. Um, they have any number of facets they can work with that uh, will make them look better going forward. But it's, I would say the receiver position right this second is a little disconcerting. It's certainly nice that Anthony Schwartz created a couple really big plays, including that 44 yard play where if he caught it, uh, and kept his feet. He scores easily. Yep. The ball was literally perfect. Uh, right out, threw it right. Uh, so it timed almost right out of his break, but he unfortunately fell down, uh, juggling it and catching it, which is at least he caught it. But right now, your biggest threat on offense, other than Nick Chubb, is Najoku, and it's not even close. I mean, he opens up the field spacing wise. He was the biggest vertical threat outside of Anthony Schwartz. Um, I think. Hopefully, this is a good indication. I mean, last year he had a great opening game too, even though the Browns got beat thirty-eight to six, and then he got hurt. So hopefully, you know, this is where we can start seeing um, him really become that upper echelon tight end that he was always envisioned to be uh, as this as this goes along. And, and look on the offensive side of the ball. Look, you're going to come away with this. You're going to come away with Nick Chubb's fumble, and this doesn't happen every week. You're going to come away with Baker's late interception. And I don't want to use the word fluke, obviously, because he could have thrown the ball into the crowd, you know, a stride or two before he finally attempted to do so. And then the Gillian thing, look, uh, you know, during the commentary, oh, well, he hasn't punted all day. No, man, you got one job. It's simple. The ball snapped to you. Catch the damn ball and get the hell out of there. And then trying to run around and think you're going to make up for 16 yards. No, I mean, at least kick it. Even if it's a shank and it's 12 yards, it's better than getting beaten the hell down. And, you know, that was a crucial and a big blow. Um, we'll get to this in the third segment. Obviously, all eyes on Jedrick Wills. I think for the most part, Chris Hubbard came in and did an admirable job against Chris Jones. Chris Jones is a freak. We all know this. Um, we talked about this going into this in the pregame show. So there is that to it. But, you know, um, no Odell, Anthony Schwartz taking a step, you know, Jarvis giving what Jarvis does and finding a way to utilize the tight ends. And Harrison Bryant had, you know, a little bit, you know, had a nice reception early as well. Uh, overall, Pete picked 73 to 70, jokingly, as his, you know, final game prediction. I picked 34 30. Um, it was 33-29, so we're pretty much in line with the way this game went. It's not the end of the road, um, and if anybody thought the Browns were 
predicted the Browns were going to win this. That was a tough one to predict, but you know, it was there for the taking. But again, we've, as we said, since the moment the NFL schedule came out, it's not about week one versus the Kansas city chiefs as much as it about week 21, all that more ton more coming here on locked on Browns with the defensive side of the ball, some uh, standouts, Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith, your non victory Monday, Lockdown Browns. Football season is back. Let's make the most of it with a better way to create your online pools, your custom pools, survival pools, and all that at runyourpool.com. The premier sports pool, uh, pool hosting service. Run Your Pool makes it ridiculously easy to run a football pool with friends, families, coworkers, etc., etc. The offer dozens of formats, including Survivor, Pick'em, Squares, Confidence Pools, Margin Pools, 33, and more Run Your Pool host formats for NFL and the college football season with one-week games, full season, playoffs, or the Super Bowl. Unlike other fantasy sports platforms, Run Your Pool has options and settings to customize your league, your pool, your brand. You can even make your local business a part of this, your bar, or just your Sunday friends or a restaurant. Reconnect with friends and family and join nearly 2 million football fans as they are excited to make every game in action packed weekend in this season go to runningyourpool.com today and get ten dollars off using the promo code slash locked on or again you go to runyourpool.com slash locked on to get ten dollars off your pool squares survivor whatever it is but again runyourpool.com pete to talk about the defensive side of the ball and not to a number one, first off, Malik McDowell starting, the acceleration, the quickness. Sometimes as great as an athlete as it is, he takes himself out of place, but he certainly, certainly made his presence felt today. Uh, our first opportunity to see Malik Jackson, our first opportunity to see Jadavian Clowney with a seven-yard loss on a jet sweep. Miles Garrett and Clowney meeting Mahomes in the backfield late in the game, which could have been the pivotal point where the Browns Last drive could have led to more, obviously, than it did. John Johnson the third. Um, let's get to that, and then we'll talk a little bit about the Rodney Harris, Harrison situation because that got a little bit funky. I, it's just Rodney Harrison ends up on the sideline. Uh, he wasn't kicking anybody. He was well, stepping it, over. He got bumped by an offensive lineman. I don't want to get into it. At the very least, that part is you can at least make an argument. There's at least a debate to be had whether he was bumped or he stepped on the guy, regardless of whether whatever outcome you uh, reach. Uh, the bottom line is a member of a, a member of the chief staff shoved uh, Ronnie Harrison, uh, and then Ronnie Harrison responded by shoving him back. Initially, they throw a flag and call on sportsmanlike conduct on the chief sideline. Then they come back. And then the NFL throw, police jumps in. Then they throw another flag and then make it offsetting, but uh, it call per, uh, unsportsmanlike conduct on Ronnie Harrison and eject him. Um, even if you want to make the case that that's ejectable, and I'm not sure it should be, 
the bottom line is you have a member of the opposing staff in some capacity, I think as a coach, uh, put their hands on a player on the field. Uh, and then when they retaliate for w- what shouldn't happen in the first place, the Chiefs then benefit from it. Um, so, I mean, that's a tough pill to swallow that, you know, what what do the Chiefs get out of that other than an advantage? Like, even if they decide to suspend the guy or fine him after the game, the damage was done. The Browns, uh, uh, the Browns lose a player. The Chiefs don't lose anything, and they're at a disadvantage of the rest of the game because the Browns were already down at safety because Grant Delpit was on the side uh, was inactive this week. So the Browns almost immediately are down to MJ Stewart at one point. Uh, John Johnson had to go get an idea. Yeah, no credit, but MJ Stewart was active on a couple of pass plays. Yeah, it's fine. It's just, you know, if if you're saying, you know, it's potentially Ronnie Harrison could have been a major part of your attempt to defend uh, Travis Kelsey. I mean, that's something he can do is play defensive line. Uh, So, I mean, that's, again, like I said, that's just, I don't understand how how we we find ourselves the second year in a row where what seems like incredibly poor officiating works out against the Browns and for the Chiefs. Last year was the helmet to helmet that wasn't called that resulted in the fumble out of the back of the end zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, clear as day that was head to head, no call. Uh, the Chiefs get the ball instead of the Browns get, keeping it and potentially scoring a touchdown. The Chiefs score, kick a field, go down the field and kick a field goal. And then the Browns have to come back from a deeper hole. Here, the Browns lose a defensive player for the game, and the Chiefs lose nothing because no yardage was even uh, tacked off against anyone. It was just, um, it was it, it was offsetting fouls. So that to me just absolutely doesn't pass the smell test. I'm very curious to see what the NFL does. They did nothing. They didn't even find. Uh, dirty Dan Sorensen last year after the play they basically acted like it never happened so I'm very curious to say see what 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 the response is but to me that was a big deal not the reason the Browns lost but certainly a big deal uh and and something that I think uh at least changed a little bit of the dynamic of the football game and it was early. So, I mean, it's okay to say that, you know, maybe it didn't change the outcome of the game, but, um, you know, things get hostile on the sidelines. And if you're wearing team colored gear and you are associated with the team in somehow, some way, there is a huge, I mean, I I don't want to say it, but Pete, Nathan Zagura got suspended for a freaking month for opening up his mouth, just saying his displeasure with a call a referee made. This is now somebody on staff, Kansas City Chiefs wise, who physically touched a player. Well, yeah, again, it's the same concept of this is never supposed to happen uh, at all. So um, maybe there there's something like that coming. My guess is it won't work like that, but because there's some sort of element that the idea the coach is supposed to be near the field, but nevertheless, I, I cannot imagine um, what would happen if this happened, you know, if this goes on at lower levels, I, I don't know why it would be any different 
or should be any different in the NFL just because they're grown grown men who are getting paid for it. It, 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 it to me, my immediate reaction was, what's the response if a fan does that? Uh, they're not going to do anything to the player in that case if 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 a, if a fan were to come on the field and and touch them. So uh, that's where it's really tricky to me because it, it, again, it, it provides an advantage for the team instigating the situation in this case. And you know, and not to say the original call was right, but I mean, that thing just went downhill. Well, hey, we got to see Malik McDowell today. Uh, we got to see our first taste of, you know, Jadavian Clowney, Joe Jackson with a sack. Um, and this is where the thing that I take away from today, whether it was the offensive side of the ball or the defensive side of the ball. And we've talked about this roster construction. We've talked about the fact that they are deep everywhere. It was evident today. Almost everybody got a little slice of the, the pie, essentially, whether it was offense, whether it was defense. But this – Brown's defense, and look, we want to see growth. We want to see it unison. We want to see harmony. But there's a lot of individual talent there. And it was on display today. But now it's to the point where it kind of needs to become more cohesive. Sorry, say that again? The Browns defense, a lot of individuality. Yeah, yeah, I got you. The Browns defense... One would like to think it's going to be a. It was as bad as it's going to be this year, based on the newness of everything. Um, there are things that drove me nuts, like Mac Wilson's continued existence on this planet. Um, let alone on. This I gave defense. him credit for an early play, and then it just all went. Cannot play. There. He cannot play. No, he's just he's awful. Not. He's just awful. I mean, the 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 play where he couldn't tackle Patrick Mahomes was just embarrassing and indicative of his entire career here. I've heard or he for went two high st- on a running back who's five foot eight and he got five more yards and got a first down, but yes, go uh, on, I've go heard on. for two years, how great his off seasons are. And then you watch him play in the games and he sucks. He like, he's awful. And I gave him credit for his play in the playoffs. Uh, it wasn't good. It's a liability. Um, it, 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 and at this point, he, he just does not do his job. He doesn't, you know, force action where it's supposed to go. He doesn't make tackles. I, I don't know what his, I don't know what his, his appeal is. Um, and, and I continue to be baffled by this. I, I, I said during the game and I continue to believe that the one play, Elijah Lee made on, um, on on special teams is more impact than mm-hmm. than Mac Wilson made the entire game. He's a better linebacker in in play. Uh, to me, I would if there were seriously offers to trade for Mac Wilson, which is really hard to fathom to me because he's so bad. Um, then I, I don't know how you trade him. Don't trade him for a ham sandwich without the mustard. You can put on your own mustard. He just, it's awful. And, and there are other players that are more, have more upside, whether it's JOK. Um, you know, even Malcolm Smith, who had a tough day today. I'd rather have Malcolm Smith out there. Um, yeah. So it's, it's just really like, I, I, I'm, I'm genuinely curious what the, what the rationale is with, with that. It would, you know, and, and, and again, this is another situation where I think, Ronnie Harrison's ejection hamstring them. Um, yep. You know, you, you don't have the ability to now put 
another safety on the field instead of him. But even if you're saying I'd rather I want a third linebacker on the field, uh, you know, it, would I rather have Mac Wilson or Sione Taki Taki? You know, I, I'd rather have Taki Taki. He just does more things, even if he's not good at certain aspects of the game. So I'm I'm just absolutely lost on what he does well, what they think he does well, and why people keep insisting he's good when every game you watch, he continues to be awful. There's players like this, Pete. Um, you know, everybody who listens, you know, a lot of you have played. Pete coaches high school ball. I've certainly played myself. Uh, there's nothing wrong with being the consummate teammate, the consummate worker, the consummate effort guy. But at the end of the day, it comes down to whether or not it you know, translates to success. And I'll just leave it there because it, it feels bad to go further and further in on this, on number 51. But, folks, it's just just not there. We're going to point out some standouts. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the fact that, you know, now we are on to the 1-0 Houston Texans. Okay, just like everybody thought. Uh on your latest Lockdown Browns, Sports Illustrated's Pete Smith, rolling on through. Today, we want to tell you all about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. DirecTV Stream brings you live TV on demand. Favorites together like never before, which includes all your favorite Sports, movies, and shows all in one place. Best part of it all is there is no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. Go all about it. Learn all about it at DirecTV.com. All about DirecTV-Stream. DirecTV.com. You guys all know you've been here for years. What is your favorite Bill Bar flavor? Did you know that Bill Bar has nine delicious flavors and the occasional limited time flavor? So when you talk to a Bill Bar fan, they are definitely passionate about their favorites. And if you don't know the Bill Bar lineup by now, well, you're certainly missing out. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. So there is something for everyone. Mint brownie is certainly the king and the queen of the Lloyd household. And the best part about the Bill Bar flavors are, as much as they are best tasting, they are very healthy too. Most of the bars have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams net carbs. Go to BillBar.com right now. Use the promo code L-O-C-K-E-D, all caps, LOCKED15, to get 15% off your first order. Promo code LOCKED15. For 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Pete, as rough as today was, there were standouts. You know, whether it was an Anthony Schwartz, whether it was Malik McDowell after all these years, finally finding his way on an NFL field, getting to participate. Um, um, there were flashes of what the clowny miles Garrett combination could be. Baker, even though there's no touchdown passes, you know, north of 300, the interception is going to be the ones, the Colin Colin Cowherds of the world and everybody who's ready to, you know, 
piss on Baker <laughs> are ready to have. But overall, I mean, it was a positive day. And we try to preach this, Pete. It's not about this week. It's about maybe facing Kansas City in weeks 20, 21, things of that nature. I thought um, I thought there were a lot of positives from that. And obviously, Malik McDowell's first t- uh, first snap was a tackle for loss. He did a couple of other things that were um, positive. Um, Jadevian Clowney and Miles Garrett were great. Uh, it, it's frustrating because Patrick Mahomes was able to avoid pressure or roll out from pressure, but they did exactly what the Browns were hoping they would do. Um, it only resulted in the one sack from them. Uh, Joe Jackson did get an, a sack uh, on some pressure that was created uh, by initially by Garrett, uh, but they they were able to get pressure. They were able to um, move him off the spot. Ultimately, he was still able to make big plays, but they forced four punts. They were able to get a key stop at the end. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's where I would look at this and go, those are good things. Uh, Denzel Ward, I thought made a couple of really nice plays. Uh, I think John Johnson, you know, everybody's going to get on him for, for that play with Tyreek Hill. I mean, the bottom line is he turned his head when he shouldn't have. I don't know if he thought the play was over or he was trying to look back to find the ball, but he picked backyard stuff. And he, but yeah, he, he peaked and he got beat for him. If he played the receiver's hands and kept his eyes there, maybe he breaks it up. Maybe he gets called for pass interference. Um, but I mean, some of that is just the freaky nature of Pat Mahomes and, and what that, um, what that does in terms of making you nervous and, and, and scaring you like that. Uh, again, not having Ronnie Harrison was incredibly frustrating. Uh, I thought, um, Joe Jackson beyond the sack, I think he does his job, uh, which I think is important. I thought Malik Jackson did some good things, even though he was a guy who's battling with heat issues. Um, so, I mean, again, it's not you're not going to get the gaudy statistics out of this that you were hoping for um, created by uh, Pat Mahomes' mobility, but, you know, Orlando Brown Orlando Jr. couldn't block Miles Garrett at all. Could not could not do it to save his life. Um, so, if you're if you're asking, did the individual parts sort of work in the way they were hoping? The answer is probably. I think they got to get a better flow. I think they've got to get a big handle on their uh, personnel usage. I thought Anthony Walker was a nice mm-hmm. player in this game. Uh, he did highly a, accurate. Highly accurate. I was I was pretty happy with what I saw from him in his first game. Um, with the Browns, I, I, I frankly nev- did not think he was going to be that good um, in this defense. Not to say, and that's not because he's a bad player. I just don't think he's. I don't. He's just never been a great player. He's always been a smart, heady player. And it looks like the Browns, much like they did with BJ Goodson, it looks like he's better here than he was with the Colts. We'll see if that continues. Um, but uh, you know, I thought MJ Stewart did okay for himself in this game. It wasn't bad. Greg Newsom certainly had some opportunities where he looks the part, uh, you know, obviously there, there, there's a lot of challenge with, with the team they're playing. Um, they still struggle with 
Um, they still struggle with effectively dealing with the tight end. Some of that's the fact that it's Travis Kelsey and he's just Travis Kelsey. They, um, he, they, they don't do a very good job dealing with the flats at this point. They did come up and make some nice tackles out there, but overall it's still a struggle. Uh, so, I mean, there's a lot of things where I, I can see where this thing's going, but you know, whether it's Mac Wilson or some of the other decisions, I, I think there's more that could be done with JOK. Uh, and again, this is first game as a rookie. I'm not, you know, crushing them for not using him more. And I certainly was never going to advocate that he covers Travis Kelsey one-on-one, but it felt like there were some nope. opportunities to create some instant pressure and maybe get a hit on Mahomes. that could have been uh, costly. So it's, uh, you know, they did enough, which is not really a satisfying answer to say that they could have won the game with the defense they played, but that was, that was true last year um, with, the spare parts they had. So hopefully it's going to get better. It's going to get better quickly. You know, this is one of those things where potentially the biggest leap forward is going to go from game one to game two, but I I still maintain, and this seems to be true that uh, the first month of the regular season really works out to be the preseason. And then you sort of really get figured out as to where everybody is. And this defense might take that whole month. They might take, you know, they might take most of the season to get figured out, but clearly the talent is significantly better. They had guys who came up and made plays. Uh, they should come out and play much better the next couple of weeks. It helps that they play dregs. Um, but that, that you know, they, they're, they're going to get tested again. They're going to have to make play some of these teams. So, you know, the question is how much can they grow in that time? I think they can do a lot. The difference between the NFL season – and whether it's the NBA, whether it is the NFL or another professional sports season is, you know, Pete, if you can't steal one and they have the opportunity to do it today is you can't, like we always say, lay the flat tire. You can't spit the bit. You can't lose one that you're supposed to win. They had the opportunity to take today to steal a win in Kansas City. Again, it didn't happen, but this is just all the more focus on you got to be. You got to win the winnable games. There's going to be several games on the schedule this year. You know whether it's Green Bay, the two games with Baltimore. We'll see if this Pittsburgh thing is real or not. Um, this wasn't a game that you or I predicted the Browns to win, but by not getting this victory today, it makes sure of the fact that you, you can't just come in half-assed against a team that is not of your caliber. Well, the, the one thing I, the, the one notion I would just disagree with, I kept seeing is the Browns need to play near perfect. They didn't clearly. No. They were, they have enough talent where they can hang with this team and make mistakes because they did, and they still had an opportunity to win the game. They gave away a touchdown uh, via Jamie Gillen, and they had a chance to win at the end. So, I, I, I completely disagree with the notion that the Browns need to be near perfect to beat a team like, mm-hmm. uh, like the. Like the Kansas City Chiefs, but because the keep in pop- mind, when they built this lead, they didn't even have Odell Beckham Jr. out there. So I mean, when they were up, you know, twelve for a substantial amount of this game, it had nothing to do with you know some of their best players. It just had to do with the fact that they were just humming on offense. Yeah, like they they were they were really good. I mean, they came out with a great plan. You know, they they 
they looked, you know, if you're, you know, Andy Reid is a coach who gets a ton of credit for, uh, for, for being so good with time to prepare. And the Browns were better. The Browns were completely able to get the Chiefs defense off balance. They were able to create stops uh, with their defense and allow them to create a 12-point lead at the half. And they blew a big opportunity at the end of the half uh, with a holding penalty followed up by a sack that took them out of field goal range, and they had to settle for uh, that the the – you know, that short immediate pass with the laterals involved, which is fine. I'm not, it's not a question of, is that a good play, but, and it's no guarantee that, that Chase McLaughlin makes it. But if you get a shot at a, at a field goal and you make it, you know, you go into the half 20, 25 to 10, as opposed to 22 to 10 and you're up two full scores. And that field goal would have made a difference in the end. The Browns were, uh, losing 33 to 29, that would have been 33 to 32. Obviously, a couple other decisions would have been different with what the Chiefs did. But nevertheless, those three points did make a difference. And that was something the Browns did really, really well last year is they were really good at cre- uh, capitalizing on opportunities at the end of the half, either by getting points or not giving up points. And they they unfortunately were not able to take advantage of that. So um, the, the first half was almost perfect except for that. Um, and then the second half, they still had their opportunities. You just, even if you, uh, uh, allow for the Chubb fumble based on the fact that the, the guy just put the helmet on the ball and that occasionally will just happen. Um, if you just don't have, if Jamie Gillen can just get a reasonable pull punt off, the game could be totally different. If, you know, if, if the Browns aren't in a position where they're now trying to, to go to come back we're needing a touchdown. Maybe that's different. You know, those things are important. So I, as much as, um, as much as I understand how good the chiefs are, I don't think the Browns need to be perfect to beat them. And I think if you took nothing else out of this game, in, in spite of the disappointment that came with it, you can't have to be able to come away thinking the Browns are unlike last year, where you could put a lot on, um, weirdness and the Mahomes injury and some of the other issues that, that came into play. There's no element of there was not it was not luck that the Browns were in this game. It wasn't weird circumstance that the Browns were in this game. The Browns were legitimately good enough to be in this game and good enough to win this game, and they just didn't do it. Well, they gave it everything they had. Um, you know, and this is things you look at with a franchise like this. And again, I'm gonna harp on this for the 55th time on this podcast, anybody who's upset walking away from this, keep in mind, almost all of you didn't think the Browns were going to win this game anyway. What hurts is that it's a game you could have won, but it is week one. And this is still a maturation process of this franchise, of this staff, of this roster going through this. Yeah, they could have won this game. Sucks. But at the end of the day, anybody who did their season prediction of the Cleveland Browns had them not winning this game. Houston Texans coming up in seven days. Let's rock. Tyrod Taylor. Let's get weird. Let's get weird. and Let's get funky. All that good stuff. He is Pete Smith. Sports Illustrated's Browns Digest podcast. Written work. Pete and his team banging out day in, day out. 
and obviously the things you should be, you know, checking out for tonight, tomorrow, all of that stuff. They do a fantastic job. Make sure you're following at underscore Pete Smith underscore uh, the show itself at Lockdown Browns. Follow back account. DMs are open, as you guys all know. Me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Again, DMs are open over there. Throw a follow. Uh, you know, questions, ideas, anything you guys want to talk about, I'm here. Try to give you guys as much as you give to the show. Browns fall short. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, it's kind of where we all felt this was going to happen this week. It sucks that they fell short and they probably should have pulled it out. I get it. I truly get it. But this team, nothing's changed. The um, eyes on a fantastic year. A fantastic run are still there. Pittsburgh wins, Cincinnati wins, whatever. Handle your own business. We'll figure it all out. We got weeks to do it. And if this team plays like it did today, playing within the AFC North is not going to be that much of an issue. This has been your daily delivery of all things dogbound. A not so happy non victory Monday LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns. <laughs>